0: Hey, I'm Josh Smith and welcome to Rain. This podcast is all about empowerment and open conversations with incredible guests. So let's get straight into it. I'm not sure I'm ever gonna recover from this episode as we are joined by the Jodie Foster and the Kaylee Reese. Jodie and Kaylee are two game changers in their own right. We all know two-time Oscar winner Jodie from the likes of Science of the Lambs, Taxi Driver and Panic Room, Hello! And Kaylee achieved an incredible six world boxing titles before her recent career shift into acting. I chat to them as the stars of the intense TV show True Detective Night Country which is available on Sky Atlantic and Now TV. If you've missed the action so far, it's a murder thriller set in the high Arctic of Alaska with two detectives, Danvers and Navarro, who are on the case when scientists from a research facility, which is linked to a mind that is poisoning an indigenous community, go missing. Dun, dun, dun. Today we talk about why we need to speak about one of the show's most important themes, violence against women, the power of feeling scene, and why comparing yourself to a past you is not healthy. What I love about this episode is we are joined by two women who are fully in their power after finding freedom in their lives. That is something we always love to celebrate on this podcast. So let's go, Jodie, Kaylee. How are you? Great, how we're are good. You it's
1: episode six. It's coming out. So I know. Very I'm, excited.
0: It's been the most incredible journey this show True Detective Night Country you guys went in for this didn't you how much of a challenge was this
1: well the cold stuff is a challenge yeah Yeah. right it gets cold I mean, we have things on. We have clothes on. Yeah. And we have little wormy things. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> you you had the warm socks. I did have the warm socks. Warm socks. You said there was warm underwear, but they didn't give me any warm underwear. I didn't underwear. get the warm other, okay, underwear. Well, I, I got I the either. socks with the little
2: the remote. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: we had we had the equipment, but you still have to breathe. Yeah. And have to talk, and talking is mm-hmm. difficult when it's that cold. Yeah. Especially
0: when you're acting. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. Talking's key. key. <laughs> 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 I just love how you had remote control socks on.
2: Yes, yeah, so no, it was it had a little like I like put it hooked it on some, like a little belt loop thing. Yeah. And so anytime I felt like my feet were kinda of getting cold, I would just do do will press a little button. Stunning mm. mm. tip. Yes, yes, Running to
0: Amazon straight after this yes, to get those. Socks and this it was, it,
2: it and really But
1: she actually had the hat, which can look slightly ridiculous, but not on you. No, no. She had, With that her. had all this fur part to it on the inside. Yeah, yeah. and really uh, so you got lucky with that.
2: Yeah, I'm the only character that gets to wear the
0: hat, so. Yeah. Stunning, yeah. you look great in it. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, th- what is so special about this show is you two and the amazing teamwork that your characters come to develop and the unlikely friendship that they have as well how special was it creating the bond between you two offset onset offset and like how much do you think you've changed as people through working together and what have you learned from each other
2: i could say that going into this especially being so new to this and this being such a big monster of a production that it was just like i was like a little kid like oh my goodness so i learned a lot of technical stuff and yeah. picking your brain. I'm like, what's MOS? What does that mean? <laughs> but um, the best thing about this whole his whole journey is that like we came in here as as coworkers, but I get to like call all these wonderful women and people my friends. Like you're my no, homie. Yeah, <laughs> no, it it's a family cool. thing. Yeah, I mean, we really,
1: especially when you spend that long It's seven months. It's yeah. a long time. Someplace on location that where it is sort of adverse. There's a lot of things to bring you together. Um, and plus, it's really good. And, you know, I don't know. I think that has its special, special touch when you know that you're making something that's meaningful, yeah. that, that touches you and that, you know,
0: feels so important. What did you think you learned from working with Kaylee?
1: Well, everything. Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, Kaylee's very disciplined. So she's, she's, well, you're an athlete. So she can do something 100 times and she has the focus to keep doing it. And um, she can do everything well, which is actually kind of annoying. <laughs>
0: It's that is annoying. annoying when you meet someone like that. Yeah, it's a little annoying. <laughs> like we,
1: we, I, when we were in Alaska together, because we, we went to Alaska together, um, they were like, oh, here, this is chopping wood. Kaylee, you try it. And she was just like, boom, boom like 400 pieces of logs went in half. I couldn't get one, not one. And fishing, she pulls up like a million fly fish. Fly fishing,
2: I never did fly. I'm like, yeah, Let me Never did it. it.
1: And she gets like 15 fish or something.
0: You and I got like one. Watch me.
2: Yep. <laughs> um, watch me work. Hold my beer. <laughs> so,
1: she, I mean, there's nothing to, you know, she's a natural. So that, I guess it reconfirms the idea that instincts are everything. Mm. They're the most important thing that we have. And... If you are, if you can look into the eyes of your coworker, your partner, without fear, like that, you have everything you need, and then you can just relax
0: and drink coffee. Okay. That's, yeah. that's what's so special about teamwork, right?
1: Yeah, and I did, I didn't do a lot of movies in my career where I was a team. I was it was always my singular journey, and I was always like, my dad's dead, my husband's dead, my child is dead. You know, everybody's always dead, so that I'm I can on be the plane. yes <laughs> on the plane. Is she dead? Is she not dead? But I. I really missed out on something that I got to have now in my late, when my late fifties happened, and in my sixties, where I suddenly got to understand that there was a new thing for me to do, which is to serve other people and to really, um, to be there for people when it's their time and it's her time. And it's yeah. for me, it is so much more satisfying and so much more fun to be like the cheerleader, team person enjoying something amongst people, and supporting somebody who is who is the central journey of the film.
0: Mm. And it's such a special show for so many reasons. And one of the reasons mm-hmm. I love it so much is it touched on so many incredible and important and timely themes. Yeah. And at the center of... Because, you know, on the on the face of it, it's a murder investigation, right? It's yeah. a detective show. And actually, it's about a marginalized community, and they're being toxically polluted by a mine. And it raises so many important issues and ideas about using your voice. What's the journey been like for the pair of you to use your own voice and to be comfortable in using Mm -hmm. your own voice?
2: Me personally, I looked at it it as an opportunity to kind of continue on doing what really my passion is, is just to be whoever that we don't have. Like I I wanted to always be the person that um, my younger self didn't have, hence the reason why I got into being a residential counselor for troubled youth. And then being we got taught for dance and do things for people that can't do them anymore and especially around missing and murdered indigenous women they're they're silenced you know we say their names uh, no more stolen sisters and be the voice for the voiceless so to have an opportunity to be in this entertainment business in this genre of entertainment but also to be able to convey realism because that's really very real it's not a made-up issue this is just mm-hmm. Uh, uh, something that was created for this story, but it's a very real issue that we have pollution, we have land issues, we have missing and murdered indigenous women, we have suicide rates. This is a lot of real issues that was incorporated. So it was just really important for me to do the best I could. To, and wherever I fit in, it was boxing, and now it's I just get this opportunity to, not one, tell real issues, but also as a mixed indigenous, Cape Verdean and Wampanoag woman, to be able to highlight another indigenous community that I don't even know about, mm. to be able to ask them, how would you like to see yourself and this is all real in in mm. all into one story so it was really exciting and honorable for me to be able to do all that because i'm able if i'm able to do something it may be hard it may suck at times but if i'm able i feel like as you do yourself and the creator of whatever you believe in a disservice by not giving your gifts if i have a gift i didn't ask for it but i have it and i found mm. out i did And i honor it by giving it so it just it's to me it's exciting it was cold and tiring but it was (laughs) it was exciting and it's one of those sacrifices like we get taught to sacrifice yourself like not like literally but like you sacrifice your comfort like you're Mm -hmm. uh, like when we do sweat lodges like it's hot it's in there but you're sacrificing that pain or actually put yourself in that prayer ceremony so it's the same thing to me i guess if that makes sense Mm, yeah. yeah
0: yeah and what about for you what's it been like to find your voice for your career
2: well, you know
1: that's what movies can do. You know, movies can identify, um, as you say, people that don't have voices and help help find a path for that voice to come out. Um, that's I, I've, that's all I've ever wanted to do was make movies, and I now really understand the power that that has over people. You know, that you can learn through movies, you can feel through movies, that you can feel the experience of people that have been marginalized, and that you've not been able to identify with. And, you know, maybe one of the great lessons for me as a, you know, white person has been learning when to stop talking. Mm. (laughs) Really, just like stop talking, like start listening and stop talking. Mm. Um, So that really has been interesting for me to be able to learn and to just get better, I think.
0: And that comes back to allyship and this show talks about allyship so much in so many different ways, and it touches on this idea of allyship, which is showing up even when it's difficult, difficult for you, right? Yeah.
2: Absolutely.
0: What do you think you guys have learned about allyship in your lives and your yeah. careers? And when has it been something that's really helped you finding an ally?
2: Good ally is somebody who, who has something or access to something that you lack, um, but it can also be a mirror. So for instance, Danvers and Navarro, yeah. Navarro sees exactly who Danvers is. She's almost like waiting for Danvers to wake up finally and like, I see you for who you are. And I think that's part of the reason why Danvers looks at Navarro with frustration because she's like, I know you know, but I don't want you or anybody else to know who I really am because I don't even want to touch that right now. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not even ready for that right now. So I think you don't necessarily have to like the person because Navarro and Danvers absolutely hate each each other but they respect each other. Mm -hmm. Like, you may not like somebody's point of view, but I respect that you have one and you really stand firm in your point of view. I think that's Mm -hmm. where it comes in. They respect each other's ability to be really good at their jobs. Um, And they know that they need each other to do this, where one's more intuitive, more one's, you know, a little bit of a hothead, feels things, really is in tune with reading people in more of an unorthodox way according to Danvers and spiritual realm and things that are outside of our control, where sometimes that grounds Danvers into thinking different, whereas Danvers might balance Navarro over it, like, yes, I know that, but this is the logical. Let's get back to the rational, logical things, and whatever you feel, it's great. So I think it's like a good balance. That's a, I think that makes a really good ally. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, in our show, but Danvers is awful, so let's just get that straight. She's just awful.
0: <laughs> just say as it is. Um, yeah. yeah. It is what and, it is. Uh, that was
1: a lot of fun to play. Um, But I think that that's that that idea that, you know, they're not really friends, but they're not only do they respect each other, but they have the same destiny, you Mm -hmm. know, they have the same destiny a movement towards justice and a justice that has to be found within you, you know, because the world is not a just place and potentially the law is not a just place either. So um that I think is quite amazing that they're on the same by the end you realize that they're on the same path and that they have each other's backs and that they save each other Mm. um it's just quite beautiful actually
0: yeah it's so beautiful and I think as well what's so powerful about the show is when you you know when you watch it for the first time you're like oh this is about scientists they've gone missing what's going to happen here but the crux of it is the theme and a very important issue that we all need to be talking about more which is violence against women Mm. that is fundamentally the center of this narrative, what kind of conversations would you love for this show to start, particularly around violence against women and what more we can do to get this issue talked about? Well,
1: films, that's what films do, you know, and and then uh, which hopefully helps people open up and realize that they have somewhere to turn to. Mm. Um, Our detectives have a different relationship with the victims than maybe they did in season one. Right. The two male detectives in season one. Uh, have the relationship with the victim where they say, oh, that could be my sister or that could be my mother. But there's something very different about the detective saying that could be me. And I think that there's a kind of connection and an interdependence between uh, the police force and the the people that they're supposedly trying to save uh, Mm -hmm. when that comes from a female character. Um, so maybe that's it, more compassion, even though i probably the least compassionate character on screen that I can think of that I've played. But, um, you know, I guess you hope that that's what, that's what films can do.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it does it very powerfully, and it also touches on these two characters are in this very male-dominated world, and they come up against discrimination left, right, and center yeah. all the time. What kind of everyday discrimination have you guys come up against where sometimes you're like, I cannot believe that I'm still having to deal with this in 2024?
2: Oh, my everyday walking life is an yeah. everyday discrimination. Um, I can speak on something mm-hmm. that's relatable to my character, being of she's from a Nupiak and Dominican background. I'm from Cape Verdean and Wampanoag, but I have very simplest explanation of black Native or Afro-Indigenous mm-hmm. where you don't feel like you're enough for Native people, and especially mm-hmm. in North America, there's this one-dimensional view of how a Native American or Indian mm-hmm. is supposed to look like. You're supposed to look like this, like you're from the Midwest, and if you look anything different, then, well, you sure you don't look native? I'm like, I actually look exactly like my ancestors from my people that I came from. I didn't come from like Oklahoma or anything, so I wouldn't look like anybody. And we all, it's all evolving. And something that I really love to highlight too with my background is that first contact tribes, where we are on the East Coast, we were fighting a different type of wars than 200 years later when Mm -hmm. America was America. Mm You know, they were in the West were fighting the Americans. We were fighting, you know, we were fighting against, sorry, Britain. You know what I mean? That's yeah. what they came, That's they came over. So it was all like to try to explain that to people is like a fr- I'm like, I can't believe I'm dealing with this right now. And right. you don't the, you don't look native thing is like really it's um. it's an opportunity. I look at it as an opportunity mm. for education now, though, Um, I sometimes it's an eye roll, but it's an eye roll like I have to explain myself, but it's an opportunity. So,
0: um, yeah. You also use it as fuel to fuel you to prove people wrong.
2: Uh yeah, since I came out in '86, I've been trying to prove people wrong and myself. Right when I was believing what everybody else said, so mm. I was almost trying to like, oh yeah, you know, I am this, I am that because that's what they said I was. But now I'm like proving everybody wrong. No, mm. I'm gonna do this, and this is not who I am, and I'm actually proud of of who I am, and then being. A woman in a male dominated sport and a profession. Yeah. Um, you know, also coming from an area, again, back to the indigenous roots where people just think, because I'm Native, I grew up in a reservation. I did not. I did not <laughs> grow up in a reservation. Uh, there's, there's Native Americans that actually, in 2024, that we don't live like we did in the 1500s. So I am a walking, talking human being that mm. understands everything that's going on. I'm very, <laughs> I retain it all.
0: Yeah. yeah. And Jenny, for you, you've gone through your whole career since the age of three in a male dominated world, right? Yeah, yeah. So, leaning into that experience you've had and going to play a role where, again, she's in a very male dominated yeah. world, did you use some of the experiences you had to fuel you? I don't know. In a you way? know, it's
1: complicated. It's true. I grew up in uh, when there were no women technicians, there were no women in the film industry. I never saw a woman director. Sometimes I would see a makeup artist, but that was about it. Um, but I also learned from my fathers and brothers, you know, Mm -hmm. in the industry that taught me, that wanted me to be their, their prodigal daughter. And they wanted to tell me about lenses and, you know, about camera equipment. And, um, so I, I, it's a twofold, I have a twofold feeling about that because I'm so grateful for all the men that raised me Mm -hmm. in the, in the industry. Uh, But of course, there's all those microaggressions that people don't even realize are a part of our culture and we experience them. A lot, uh, you know. For me, it's about leadership styles, and I think sometimes women do have a different leadership style, right? And sometimes in a male-dominated world, they don't really understand what that is. It's mm. like, wait a minute. Uh, if I say something mean to you, you're gonna cry, right? And you're like, no, I'm not gonna cry. <laughs> yeah. Or how, why aren't you doing what I'm telling you to do? You know, there's a. Uh, it's it's hard for um, uh, a society that's been all male to understand and be able to include different
0: styles of leadership. so special about this show as well and i'm not going to say the plot spoiler necessarily but we're just going to say the cleaners okay and we are going to say taking back their power yeah reading to that what you will if you watch it you will know yeah but that's what was so great at the end for me because i was like yes this is the kind of narrative we want on our screens and we love to see people claiming about their power when do you think you both truly stepped into your power in your lives or careers
2: Huh. Well, careers, I have <laughs> have two. Uh, <laughs> um, I think well, going to my boxing, I think it was once I had a purpose outside of myself to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't when I first started; it was an outlet. I needed an outlet that was something else other than what was going on in my life. I was about thirteen or fourteen, and then it turned into having a purpose to fight and. Seeing the reaction I got to incorporate my culture and being so proud of it, that's kind of where I really stepped into my power when I just started using my voice and I started seeing these younger mixed kids that were so proud that were so ashamed. That's when I really stepped into power when it, was, it wasn't was about me. It's never really been about me. Um, and when transitioning into acting by accident, it was kind of a, let me see if I'm pretty good. at. I'm going to do the best I can. And with after actually really seeing and absorbing the story that I already fell in love with after I read, and then working it, and then having such a good time just filming it, and like actually watching. I really think this is a time I'm really stepping into my, like, I'm mm-hmm. in it right now, stepping mm-hmm. into it, like yeah. real time. That is true. I yeah. feel like that's it's her time right now, right, right this
1: second. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was when I first started directing. I think that was a big shift for me. Uh, and mostly because all you care about is what that child of your baby, you know, your movie is going to be and you will defend it with everything that you have because that's the only thing that matters and that that was a shift for me Mm.
0: do you think it's also come at the same time as feeling seen on screen because you know true detectives Mm. night country this is such a representative show in a way that we haven't necessarily always seen on TV right Right. indigenous people you have women front Mm. and center in their late 50s taking control of the narrative which is what we love to Mm. see how powerful does it feel to feel truly seen and reflected?
2: It's especially speaking from an indigenous woman to be able to feel seen, feel heard. And also I know the millions of other people that like me, indigenous people that look like me, like kids that look like me, or I just come from that type of background can just really feel seen. That's where it's, it's it's so satisfying mm. it honestly is it's a proud moment and then so you see these women in this male dominated profession but they're not crying women this typical stereotypical woman type of role mm. they're they very they have to show up in their masculine energy to do this job mm. they have to work together but they also have to be compassionate and knowing to say okay let me look at this through a little bit more softer lens so mm. i think that's something that we explored with this show that i'm really proud of too that you didn't really get to, you don't get to see, it's like one dimensional. Like, all right, she's one Mm. cop, she has to be this butchy, like tough guy, and just like, you know, but you don't see that. You just see real people, like real women Mm. doing a real job in the real life. Mm. So yeah, I feel, I do feel seen with this. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, this year's been a good year
1: for me, I think. Uh, There's something about turning 60 that's uh, been so wonderful about letting go of some of the baggage of trying to compete with your older self, younger self, You know, and there was a lot of pressure to compete with my younger self. And I'm so glad that I can be a character actor um, and that I can bring whatever wisdom and experience that I have to the process to help other people. Usually it's just about telling them to relax and that they don't have to worry and that they're not in control of it anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is satisfying to see that I guess I have that skill, that I guess I know how to relax, and that I can translate that to other people. I can give that to other people. And I make everybody laugh.
2: Oh, oh yeah you well, know sorry. how to take a nap and you can make some yeah, fun jokes i do know how to take a nap <laughs>
0: <laughs> well it's so special what you both just said there it feels like you're in this new space in both your lives at the same time where you're feeling freer mm-hmm. would yeah, you say absolutely. that's true
1: absolutely
2: 100 true for me completely what about you? yes completely uh-huh. like just like i know what you mean about the just not really caring in the most liberating way yeah. pretty much yeah yeah. Uh-huh.
1: yeah you learn that i think that all that anxiety didn't serve you that it was just like this. It was keeping you down, um, and I think I mean you, you've learned you're you have to learn that in the ring. Yes. Right, because yes. the more you worry about it, that's not going to help you getting punched in the face.
2: Nope. You're going to just cloud it. It's clouds your judgment on yeah. what to do, what steps to take, and even out of the ring. Just so you can't. You can drive angry, but you can't mm-hmm. do anything ang- angry or you just have to have a clear, grounded. You have to be mm-hmm. grounded. Whatever it is, you can be grounded in anger, but at least you're clear about it. Yeah. You know I and mean. I mean, just stay grounded. That's true. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And you both achieved so much in your respective careers up to this moment as well. And your game changes in your own right. But we see all the success that maybe is on the screen. Oh, this is your third role. You're a champion boxer. And then behind the scenes, there's so much success and failure that goes along the way, right?
1: Yeah, I'll, <laughs> yeah.
0: Say. I'll say. What do you think you've learned about the true value of success?
2: Me personally, is that... Um... I deserve it. Like, this is like a yes. personal journey. Like, I deserve it. And am I, if my success f- offends anybody, then it's really not my problem. Um, and I say that with all the love in the world, but like, I actually deserve success. Everybody does deserve mm. success and whatever that looks like in their personal journey. But that's the biggest thing I've learned that I deserve it. Mm. Yeah.
1: yeah I, I, I mean, I think I, I think because I had success so young, I mean, I started when I was three and I was already, you know i was on a show when i was six and i was gotten nominated me for an oscar when i was 12 and um i think that i've never felt like i always felt like it was a fluke like i was really lucky and that I was just in the right place at the right time and i never felt like i had um i always felt like i f- i should feel bad that i'll have had all these good things and um i i think that was very liberating what you just said because i struggle with that a lot especially now because you know it's normal we think oh Unless you're having a lot of pain and anxiety, you must not be working hard. Mm. Um, and you associate that, you know, pain, anxiety, you associate that with hard work. And um, on this film, I don't think I've ever been as happy. And it was really easy. It was an easy experience. And there was a part of me is was like, oh, it's easy. I must not be working hard. <laughs> but um, I think it's, I think there's value to all those years of mm. experience and, and of failing and of, um, problems you gave yourself and in a way this is sort of the fruit of all that
0: yeah and on the flip side of that there comes the failures right the knockouts the knockdowns yeah. mm-hmm. and you have to pick yourself back up again Never <laughs> you been knocked out. you've knocked out but you haven't been knocked out that's yes, right which is what we love yes when you though are on the floor and you're like oh my god how do i pick myself back up how have you both managed to do that and just keep going it's the work to me, that's
1: always that's always where I go to, is I just always go to work. And maybe that's bad. Maybe it means like I don't know who I am without the work or something. But um, to me, it's always just been my panacea. Like it's been my thing I go to whenever I feel like I don't know who I am or something. It's like I just go back to work. Yeah.
2: But yeah. I think that that means that you do know yourself because you know what you need to feel yeah, that's yourself true. again. that's true. Yeah. That's so true. Failure to me is like it's always, well, like I can't, if I hit the ground, like, unless I get a shovel and dig myself a hole to put myself in, this can't get any worse. Where <laughs> where do we do go from too. here? And I, I just have a no quit, t- it's in my jeans. I have a no quit. It's like, all right, how can I figure this out? Um, I have to find, I have to always find a way. It may be to the next problem. It may be to, be to a worse situation, but I gotta just put one foot in front of the other. And it's like dust myself off. What can I learn from this situation? What went wrong? What went, What was okay about this? All right, how can I make this better? And because I've been in some deep, deep holes that I've literally dug myself in, or I've gotten thrown in and have to see myself out, but it's just always, everything is temporary. Every right. single thing is temporary, happiness, sadness, and you can't have one without the other. So like you have a peak and then you kind of go down to the next valley and then you go back up. You have to have that constant, so I just always tell them, this is temporary. I know this sucks right now. This is temporary, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to change. I don't know what the change looks like, but this is going to change. So let me learn what's right in front of me and just kind of like embrace it. And then it's going to change somehow. I don't know how the how is not my business. It's just right. putting one front in front of the other and knowing and accepting this is temporary. This is temporary. This, my situation will change. Mm.
0: That's such a special realization to get to because so many people try to work towards that. And to actually get to that point is so great because there's so many times we have downs, don't we, in our careers where you're like, oh my God, how am I gonna get myself back up again? You have to remind yourself it's temporary. Mm -hmm. But is there maybe a moment in your careers where it's probably felt like a negative period, but you look back on it now and you think, that ultimately, that really empowered me into the person I am sitting here today and putting in these incredible performances?
2: Oh
1: yeah. For me, it's my 50s. I mean, the 50s were really hard for me. And I think for a lot of women, because you're like, wait, I can't do what I used to do. I can't, I'm not gonna look the same on that cover or I'm not gonna, I can't compete with my younger self. Um, And if I try to, I just keep failing. Um, But then the world is confusing and you're confused about what it is to be 50 and and all the images you see are confusing. So for me, that was just like a, that was, and I, I was also incredibly happy in my personal life, but I was, I felt like I just kept saying like I was meant to do something meaningful, and I'm and I can't figure out what it is. And then I don't know what happened. Some sixty happened, I guess. Yeah,
0: yeah. Then true detective came along. That's right. Bam.
1: Yes, there, there you go,
0: there you go. And you're doing the work you wanted to do your whole career.
1: Yeah, I really am. And um, and you know, there's more. There's obviously there's more out there. You know, I'm a director, and that's that. My heart is always in directing, and uh, I'm dying to get back behind the camera. Um, and this has just been really inspiring because uh, Issa is such a magnificent filmmaker and I really look up to her and I really see like, oh, that's 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 how it is. Um, and I, I my whole film school has been about looking over the shoulder, over director's shoulders. And mm. um, this has been a highlight.
0: Yeah. Well, what we need to happen next is the Family spin off. Don't we? Yes, we need to bring it back.
2: The Thelma Louise.
0: Thelma Louise. Okay. No, I feel like we need a kind of show. Like you need, we need another season, guys. Okay. Of you two. Like, I mean, because you know, you were in the cabin at the end. Maybe. That's true. Are you running off into the desert to have a great adventure? I feel like a comedy road trip could be really great for you. We're
2: talking about this. It's a sign. It's a sign. It's yep. Let's make it happen. Yes, we have to make it happen.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the characters need a break after what they've been through. To be fair. That's true. So maybe
2: the Caribbean. Yes. Yeah, David was in a bar.
0: <laughs> Still they, wearing the same outfits yeah. with the hats. Yeah, the hat full outfit. And I'm
2: there and with the uniform and the maybe I want the shirt, just the bulletproof vest. There like, you go. Yeah, so just the vest. So the vest show your hat. arms. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That would be funny. Yeah. I think I love the fact that people can imagine so much that we don't literally put in yeah. you can kind of just go off into your own world and imagine
0: stuff. That's awesome. It's been The biggest pleasure talking to you guys today. But before we go, we Uh always end on one final question. Okay. And that is in the reign of your life, what's the one rule you'll always live by?
1: I like more milk, no moo. (laughs) You're going to have to break that one down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, please do. More milk, less moo. No moo. It's like basically just like, just give us the product and make the thing and stop complaining.
2: Okay. Oh I love yeah. that. I'm like Stop. so like are you like, some tolerant. Do you want like almond <laughs> no. like, no. like mood? Milk. Milk. That's what, it's More yeah. milk less move. Okay. Yeah, that's the one I like. You got one? My... You got a motto? Um Do your best to lead in love, whatever your different decisions are. i really especially in the last couple of years, like whatever it is, just try to lead it with love, whether it's to let something go, or to choose to do something, not to do something, do your best. Doesn't mean you're gonna. We're all human, but that's something. Just try to just lead in love. As corny as that sound, but I just think that's important.
0: Well, it's not corny because I feel like you both have done that through this show. You've led with love, and you created an amazing show that resonates with so many people on so many different levels. And that is why this show is so special. So thank you so much for bringing it to our screens. Yeah, Yeah. good meeting you. best talking to you. honestly. you Honestly. Thanks for being here for this episode of Rain. If there are things that resonate with you, I'd love to hear from you. Get me on socials at Josh Smith Hosts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please like, rate, subscribe, or follow and share this with someone you think should hear it. Let's get those convos going because that is what this podcast is all about. Hi babes, me again. Just wanted to tell you about something very exciting. I can't believe I'm about to tell you this but I've written a book and it's called Great Chat. As you know I love to chat, plot spoiler, and I love talking to people about their lives because as I always say talking and listening is so powerful. The book is all about how you can master conversation and transform your life just like it has for me. I've used my experience from all the amazing interviews I've been lucky enough to do as well as a load of research to help you deal with everything from making new friends to embracing difficult discussions. Great chat should never be underestimated it can truly improve your well-being allow you to create the life you want and bring the connections you are so deserving of babes. You can pre-order Great Chat today in hardback, ebook, and audiobook, read by me, no less, and it's out on the 20th of June.